When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to another AMA. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm going to be answering your questions. And the first question comes from Dan Wolf. I've been in education for 22 years now, and I'm getting so burnt out. I'm currently an elementary assistant principal, and I know that I have made a difference in the lives of the kids and families I have served, but I'm looking at doing something outside of the school system. My friends and family say I should stay in it to get my 30 years for retirement, but I don't want to stay in something just to make it to retirement. I want to do something where I can be part of an organization that builds future leaders of tomorrow. What are your thoughts on staying in a job just to make retirement? And what suggestions do you have as to where I can look to find what I need to do? Okay. So I have very strong feelings about this. So first of all, as the guy who wants to live forever, I'm just going to tell you right now, tomorrow is not guaranteed to any of us. If you stop eight years to retirement, eight years, that, that is a lifetime, man. So that is time that you could be putting into something else entirely they say it takes 10 years to become a mass, a master at something. So imagine in eight years, you can get really good at something that you love. So, wow, I would not waste a moment living someone else's life. Retirement is all about security. There is something out there that you could do that you would love so much. You would never think of retiring. That's real, man. That is real. I can't believe how few people really think about that. There are things that you actually would want to do that you'd wake up and be excited to go to work. Nothing is ever perfect. There are going to be days where you don't want to work. I get that. But man, you could be dedicating yourself to something that you absolutely love that lights you on fire. Here's the only thing. Here is the thing that would be the worst of all worlds. And the one mistake that I beg you not to make, as they say, a fool never learns, a smart man learns from his mistakes, and a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. I'm going to ask you to be wise in this moment because here's the reality. If you leave on your retirement track and you set it all to the side and you go do something that's risky and you end up not loving that thing, for the love of God, that would suck. But here's all you have to do. There's no real risk in this. Just make sure that you choose something that you love the realities of the day-to-day. -day. The realities. So find a way to do the realities of the day-to-day -day thing that you're thinking about jumping ship for before you jump ship. There are always ways to do that. Let me tell you, before we launched Quest, or I should say before we exited Awareness Technologies, I knew what the day-to-day -day realities of Quest were going to be. I knew what it was like to make protein bars. So that is huge, man. Nights and weekends, do whatever it takes, but find a way to engage in the day-to-day -day realities. Don't let this thing that you're thinking about going and doing become this sort of fantasy where everything is great and nothing is hard and nothing is boring. It's not going to be like that. But don't spend your time living somebody else's life. Now, in terms of what suggestions do I have for where you can look to find what you need to do, um, that comes down to what you're interested in. There's 
unfortunately, no way for me to tell you what that thing is going to be that you would love. You want to experiment. You want to try a lot of things. You want to realize that building love for something, creating a passion is just that. It's a creation. It is a process. It is something you do step by step in order to go down a road that leads to you really having passion for something. It starts with interest, followed by engagement, deep engagement. So that you find out if this thing is really going to fascinate you, if it's going to capture your attention more and more and more, the more you do it. If it does, then you go down the process of gaining mastery, of actually trying to get good. Now, the whole thing about mastery is not only are you getting usable skills, which is part of the reciprocal nature of love, if you will, passion. It needs to be this two-way street where you're getting real skills that allow you to serve things and do things that you think are cool and also impact other people. But it also gives you a chance to see if you're going to continue to be energized even when this thing that you're pursuing gets boring and hard because there's no way, no way to get great at something without pushing past those moments of practice where it is boring, it is dull, you've done something 10,000 times and you have to do it again and again and again to keep getting better and pushing your skills. So I highly encourage you to recognize that as a process, to go out and experience a lot of things, to try a whole lot of things. And you know what? You actually may find even just doing that, going out and trying and pushing your limits and getting crazy may re-energize you, um, but it may also introduce you to that thing that really becomes your love. So yeah, don't live somebody else's life. Eight years is a long ass time. Tomorrow's not promised. Get on that passion bandwagon, but you have to build it. All right, everybody. Let's talk about our friends at ButcherBox. They have an amazing offer for you guys for February. They want to give you free filet mignon plus free bacon and $10 off your first box. And I cannot recommend enough that you guys go to ButcherBox.com, enter the discount code IMPACT, and give this a shot. I have become beyond obsessed with ButcherBox in my real life. You guys know with what Lisa's been going through from a digestive standpoint that we've had to become psychotic about what food we eat, knowing where it came uh, from, and what you eat, it matters what it ate. So knowing all of that, that's how we've come to trust ButcherBox. You can check out their options at their website. Again, that's butcherbox.com. And they have 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, uh, free-range, organic All of their stuff is amazing, and they even have a special breed of extra tasty pork that I highly recommend you guys try. You can get your personal selections of meat delivered directly to your door with free shipping if you live in the contiguous 48 United States, and their prices come down to just $6 a meal. That's that's really pretty crazy. So... Go check them out. Get your your free filet mignon, your free bacon, and $10 off your first box by using the discount code IMPACT. That's I-M-P-A-C-T when you check out at butcherbox.com. Again, these guys are for real. I use them obsessively. Get on it. They're amazing. All right, next question. This comes from Stefanos Papastelianu. Papastelianu. Stelianu. Yes, Stefanos Papastelianu. What is up, homie? I'm guessing that you are Greek. That sounds really Greek to me. All right. Yasu, bosise. 
After watching the Health Theory episode with Sean Stevenson and reading his book, Sleep Smarter, I prioritize sleep because I now understand its health benefits. I'm in bed by nine every night and I wake up at five to go to the gym, meditate, and then go to work. Unfortunately, I have to use an alarm clock to do that. I really want to follow your advice on waking up without an alarm clock, but I have to leave home at exactly 7.30 to get to the train to work. And if I don't use an alarm, I will wake up after five and not have enough time to follow my morning routine. What advice do you have that can help me wake up feeling well-rested without compromising my morning routine while keeping in mind that I can't be flexible as I have to follow the train timetable? Okay, so here's the reality. Go to bed earlier. So uh, nine is a wonderful time, and long may it be that you're able to actually go to bed at nine and wake up at five without an alarm. But if right now you're still trying to make up sleep deficit, then go to bed earlier. So try going to bed at 8 or 8.30 and see what time you wake up naturally and still set your emergency alarm at 5 a.m. I totally get that. And if you find that you're still waking up before, or excuse me, that you're still waking up to your alarm, then maybe we need to go to bed earlier. We need to really catch up on sleep on the weekend. Maybe we need to tweak our diet. Uh, You maybe get an aura ring and track what your sleep actually looks like um, and see, are you getting enough sleep because nine to five is, is eight hours. I'd be surprised if you needed a whole lot more than eight hours. Alternatively, if you find, man, like I can't be going to bed at eight, I can't go to bed at seven 30 and try to get all of my sleep naturally and wake up without an alarm before 5.00 AM. I'll give you two things to try. Number one, set an intention. So I tell myself what time to wake up. It's crazy. I can't do it all the time. And look, if I have a flight to catch or something, if I had train timetables that I had to keep up with, I would for sure set an emergency alarm. But dude, it's kind of freaky how if you tell yourself to wake up at 4.30, let's say, how often you can actually wake up. And I'm talking like within five minutes of it. It's pretty nuts. So I would try that. Um, That has worked wonders for me. Whenever I set an alarm, um, not whenever, but I will say seriously, 95% of the time that I set an alarm, I set an intention to wake up before it. Sometimes a half an hour, sometimes up to an hour before my alarm. Because if I can wake up naturally after, let's say, seven hours of sleep um, and not wake up to an alarm, which is atrocious, I hate that feeling more than anything in this world, then... I will do that. So that's number one. Number two, there are alarms that you can get um, either with, I think they make them with like, they go on your finger. There may even be one that um, can sync up with O-ring. I don't know that. But like, I know that there are ones that it puts something over your finger. There's ones that it's things that go over your eyes. So anyway, they figure out what part of your sleep cycle you're in and they wake you up in a light part of your sleep cycle. So not when you're in deep sleep or in REM. Um, and that can make it a whole lot easier. And some of them use like a gradually increasing light so that it feels like a sunrise, which can also pull you out of sleep more naturally. So I would try those things. If you have a timetable, you don't want to go to bed any earlier. Um, Yeah, and see how that works for you. Next question, Shane Pittman. The problem problem I'm having is not having the energy to do anything after my workday. I wake up at 4.30, work 6 a.m. to 2.30, go to the gym following work and arrive home and meal prep, then go to bed around 8.30, 9. I never have the energy to get online and research things or go out and try new things. What do you suggest I do to still get things done despite the low energy? All right, this is really interesting, and I really wish that I was able to um, sit down with you and pick your brain. I don't see anything in here. Um, No, you put what time you go to bed. You go to bed at 8.30 or 9.00. 
and you're waking up at 4.30. So if you went to bed at 9, that's seven and a half hours. Wow, and you're still feeling really tired. Um, okay, you meal prep, so I'm guessing your diet is reasonable, but this may be a case of you needing to figure out exactly what you respond to in terms of getting your energy levels from the food. Um, so here's what I normally tell people. Oh, man, because without getting clarifying um, questions answered from you, this is pretty tough. Uh, I have one thing at the end that I'm going to save for you. So don't panic if none of these um, sound right to you. We've got the silver bullet at the end, but let's work through the basics first. All right. So number one, are you really getting your sleep that consistently? Number two, like I said in the last answer, waking up to an alarm can be pretty brutal. Can you get an alarm that wakes you up more gradually? Number three, um, I want to make sure that we don't have a lot of carbohydrates in our diet. Um, try going ketogenic if you've never tried that. Um, I found that I actually needed less sleep on a ketogenic diet. Um, that can be really, really magical. Um, so I would try that. And then, okay, this one is terrible because I am, um, I am, uh, I have ownership in the company, but there's a company called Neurovalens and they, um, also, uh, their products called Modius Health and it, the technically it's a neurostimulation device that technically is, for weight loss, but I actually found it had a far bigger impact on my sleep. And a lot of people have talked about that. In fact, it was making me get so much sleep that it was kind of freaking me out. And I don't want to get more sleep than I absolutely need. But <clears throat> it was pretty profound in terms of its impact on my sleep quality. Um, so I would check that out, give that a shot. Again, I even though I feel like I'm being really objective right now, I have a financial incentive tied to that company, so um, I, I will just put that out there. And then um, diet, we talked about that. Sleep quality. Uh, I need to know what kind of exercise you're doing. It's entirely possible that you're just beating the life out of yourself too much and that you're not getting the um, breaks that you need to really rejuvenate your body. I also need to know what are you doing with your caffeine and then your thyroid. We should probably go do a thyroid panel. Um, look up L Russ, E-L-L-E, last name R-U-S-S. She has all kinds of amazing information on thyroid. That one actually may be um, the silver bullet. Uh, the one that I'm saving for you in a second here is a little softer than that. So I would look at that. Thyroid can be huge. Figure out what your testosterone levels are, which should be a part of, um, you should get both your T3 and T4 tested as a part of your thyroid. Uh, also get your T, your reverse T3 tested, which is basically like, is your body actually using the T3 that's available? Uh, so yeah, I would do all that again. L Russ, thyroid, do that search, and you're going to get all kinds of amazing information. She also came on Healthier. You can check out that episode. Okay, the last thing I will say is, are you doing something that you're passionate about? Are you doing something that you're actually enthusiastic about? I will tell you this, even though this is like super soft, I will say the times in my life where I have been fatigued are the times in my life where I've either been really stressed out or really bored. And so if I'm either one of those, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm not interested in what I'm doing, it's boring, it's repetitive, man, that will zap your energy in a crazy way. So I highly encourage you to do an audit of how much do you love your life? How much do you love what you're doing? And are there things that you can bake in that would get you really excited about? Is there like the stuff that you're doing at night, the research and everything that you're intimating? Look, there are things you couldn't stop me to do. There are things I wanna do, even if I'm like falling asleep and the question becomes, what would that thing be? Like, forget for a second, because it sounds like you're really talking about, you know, having a hustle or, um, you know, uh, a, a side hustle. And 
that may not be the thing that you need to be doing in your evenings. What, oh God, these words actually feel ridiculous coming out of my mouth, but I really mean this. This is powerful. What does your heart tell you to do? Like, what are you actually excited to do when you come home? Like, what are you amped up about? Is it um, reading a book? Is it playing video games? Is it watching a movie? Is it hanging out with friends? Like, what would that thing be where you're like, oh, this is, I'd almost rather do this than sleep. When you get that kind of thing in your life, I think you'll find that your energy levels shoot up. So there are things in my life that I could do even if I'm bone tired. So figure out what those things are. <clears throat> Make sure that you're loving what you're doing. And then one last random thing that I don't think I said it out loud, though I did think, um, what are you doing with your caffeine? So sometimes people are actually over-caffeinating and that can create some problems. So I would audit all of those things. And report back. I'm actually really curious, man. I have so many um, more pieces of information that I need to really be useful. But in a vacuum, <clears throat> those are the things I recommend. All right, Anonymous. I'm 18 and I'm just about to finish my associate's degree at a community college. And within the next few months, I have to decide on what college to go to for what or if I'm going at all. The problem is I have no clue what I want to do. My passions are constantly changing and I can't pin down one thing I want to do for the rest of my life. <clears throat> Shouldn't do these after eating. My apologies. <laughs> Anything I have a strong feeling towards, I know I won't care about anymore within a few months, maybe even weeks. So I have no clue what to do. The only thing I know is I hate college. Any help you can give is greatly appreciated for every day. I am unhappy and annoyed and not looking forward to the rest of my life. Thank you. Wow, that escalated quickly. Um, so here's the thing. If you really hate college that much, let's talk about the fact that you don't need to go to college to learn. We have several people on staff here at Impact Theory that did not go to college, and they're extraordinary, and they are on paths to learn themselves and to really um, be great you don't need to go to college. You need to have tenacity. You need to have focus. You need to be going after something with everything you've got. You don't necessarily need to get a formal education. So I think the days of the formal education being absolutely required are over. In fact, they never existed. Here's the reality. If you can make somebody money, you will always, always be able to get a job. And You've just got to be able to make people money. You've got to be able to do things that generate income. When you can generate income, there will always be work for you. So I wouldn't worry so much about whether or not you go to college. I would worry a lot about loving your life. Now, having said that, reading your question, I do have concerns that you are having trouble in the grit department. I would read the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. She talks about people that have a really hard time seeing things through. They get excited in the beginning, but like you said, after a few weeks or a few months, then they just have no interest in it anymore. Now, some of that may be that you're just pursuing the wrong thing, but if you tell me that you know that you're not gonna be interested in it in a few weeks or a few months, that tells me that we've got a grit problem, that you're just getting bored with how hard things get. And that's what's turning you off to that thing. And so learning to fall in love with the process of becoming extraordinary, of imagining who's living your ideal life. What would your ideal life look like on a day-to-day -day basis? And the great news is, the old answer used to be, I'd be playing video games. Okay, well, the great news is now, you can actually make a career at that. So whatever you want to 
do, not whatever, because there are definitely limits to this, but there are ways to make a living in the universe of, is how I like to explain it, in the universe of something that you really love. You may not be able to be the next ninja. You may not be able to be the top Fortnite player, but if you love video games, you could be, and let's say that what you're gifted at, what you've studied for is accounting, you could at least be an accountant in a video game company where you're surrounded by the things that you find interesting. The topics of conversation revolve around things that you find interesting. So figuring out what you find interesting in a sustainable fashion, that's really the key here. And not being able to sustain your interest in anything is a you problem. It's not a the world problem. So I am eager for you to find something that doesn't make you unhappy when you project out to the rest of your life like that and not looking forward to the rest of my life. That is that is very heartbreaking, man. And I want you to imagine a world that is exciting. And I want you to think about what is that thing? You've encountered something in your life that you find exciting, something that's more interesting than other things. And figuring out a way to put that at the center of your life is the right answer. And when in doubt, who are the people you want to help? Like really, really specifically, who would you want to help? Who would you feel good about if you worked your ass off to get a set of skills that would allow you to serve some group of people, what group of people would that be and what skills would those be? So rather than thinking about it as studying or it being a topic that you have to maintain interest for, think about who that topic allows you to serve. That, that is far more sustaining. That's technique. That's fulfillment. That's working your ass off to build a set of skills that mean something to you and allow you to serve other people and not just yourself. Um, so I highly, highly encourage you to do that. And speaking of getting skills, let's talk about Skillshare. You guys know I'm way into these guys because to me, beefing up your skill set is what it's all about. And Skillshare is an online learning community for creators. They have more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more. You will discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, your creativity, and your career. So if you're having a problem like our anonymous um, question asker, this could be a great way for you to figure out the things that you're really interested in and then go deep on it, gain that mastery, develop that passion for something because on the other side of that is where things get interesting. And with Skillshare, you can take classes in all kinds of stuff like social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, or even illustration. So whether you're looking to cultivate a new passion, start a side hustle, or gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you guys learning, thriving, and reaching for your new goals. So get after it. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for Impact Theory. AMA listeners get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering Impact Theory listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Impact Theory. Again, Go to Skillshare.com slash Impact Theory to start your two free months now. All right. I, again, I cannot recommend those guys enough. The next question. This last name is a challenge. This is from Josh Kulazuski. I think I got that. I have mass amounts of inner turmoil right now, and I do not know what to do. 
I find that I'm stuck in a loop of doing really well in whatever endeavor I'm pursuing. And then when I get to a certain point, I start to sabotage myself through destructive behaviors and habits. It's a constant cycle and I need to break it. I'm writing to you because I have an immense amount of respect for you. Thank you. And I feel that you could help give me some new perspective ideas on my dilemma or at least point me in the direction of someone who can. Any input is appreciated. Thank you for your valuable time. You know, self-sabotage is, is a really interesting one for me. So I think that it stems from one of two things. One, you're either afraid that you're not worthy of that level of success, which um, I think it was Ed Milet who talks about how everybody has a thermostat, whatever you believe about yourself, that's the temperature to which you will rise. Temperature in this case being, you know, going for broke, getting things done, um, you know, really elevating yourself to that level. And if you have your thermostat set low, you have low expectations of yourself, you have a low sense of self-worth, you don't believe um, that you're going to be able to go beyond that. The story you tell yourself about yourself is that of being you know, incapable, not good, a loser, whatever it is that you're telling yourself, then yes, you're going to self-sabotage to stay in line with your story, to keep the thermostat at a comfortable temperature. The other thing that it might be is, and these may be just shades of the same color, but I think that some people worry that if they got successful, what would that fall look like? And that to me is, is the progenerator of anxiety, is that sense of, oh, I need to rehearse what would happen if things go wrong. And I, you know, I'm, just, I'm just thinking about how things might go wrong so that I'm prepared for it, um, you know, so I, I, either I don't get my hopes up too high or I actually have an exit strategy. I have a way to get out of this without it being too problematic. And I think that people spend so much time rehearsing that that they just, it's like a race car driver. They tell you, don't look at the wall, look where you want to go. And let the rest take care of itself. Because if you look at the wall in an attempt to avoid it, you're actually going to crash into the wall. You're drawn to whatever, like physically drawn to whatever you look at. <clears throat> so if you're constantly thinking about this story about how you're not capable, all the times that you failed, you think you're a loser, um, you don't think that you're worth that. Oh, that's okay for those people, but I'm not like that. Or you just have limiting beliefs, which let me tell you, after the day that I've had today... I know how people get these limiting beliefs in their mind and they can't even see that they're limiting beliefs. They think they're just being realistic. Being realistic is how people destroy their lives because being realistic is just another way of saying, I'm embracing my limiting beliefs. Don't be realistic. Fuck that. Like go for broke at all times. Always be asking yourself, how do I solve this problem? How do I get the skill set to do X, Y, Z? No matter how big and crazy it is, you've got to allow yourself to believe that you could do insane shit like Terraform Mars. You have to believe that you could figure that out. I get it. You're not going to do it by yourself. I get it. You're going to have to employ a lot of people, but that you could build that skill set to galvanize people, to get them excited, or that you could go be the infrastructure for the person who's going to go galvanize people and get them excited. You don't have to be the front person. You could be the person that's helping facilitate that, but that you play this key role in getting something like that done. You have to allow yourself to believe that even something that crazy is solvable, that you could figure that out. Now, I think if you begin to tell yourself that story, that you're the learner, that you can get around this, that you can solve whatever problem, that yes, even you can do these crazy, extraordinary things. And that, by the way, even if that doesn't feel true, it doesn't fucking matter. This isn't about identifying what you think is true. This is about identifying what is an empowering belief. I do not think humans are good. 
at identifying what is true. I think that we're so much more likely to believe negative things about ourselves that we end up in these weird death spiral loops of either trying to think through all the permutations and the ways that things might go wrong so that we can have the exit plan so that we can be prepared or we're just being realistic and, you know, we don't want to set ourselves up for failure or, you know, hey, we just want to look at this in a real way so we don't spend our time in a pipe dream. And all of that stuff in the guise of being pragmatic or realistic is holding you back and maybe leading to this sense of self-sabotage. Or you may just be afraid that if you climb so high, you're going to fall. All of that is some bullshit. And what you need to be focused on is what do I need to repeat in my head to make sure that I don't fall prey to that kind of dumb death spiral thinking. And thinking it doesn't make you a dumb person, doesn't make you a bad person. It's dumb because it's not effective. It doesn't lead you towards your goals. And anything that doesn't lead you towards your goals, we're not going to do. So that's how I get myself out of a lot of this stuff is I just have a rule in my life that I don't allow myself to think like that. So even though I have all the same negative beliefs or I should say negative voice in my head and fears that I'm not good enough, I don't allow myself to repeat that. I use that as a habit loop trigger to repeat empowering things like I can learn anything I set my mind to on a long enough timeline, I can be anyone at anything. Now, those are both certainly almost not true, but they're empowering and they're limits. The point at which I will actually bump up against not being able to do it is so far away that I might as well act as if I can, because then at least it will take me to the edge of my abilities. Most people never get anywhere near the edge of their abilities because they shut them down, shut themselves down so early. So the, the distance between where you are today and where you could go is so great. And because people know secretly in their heart of hearts that they have limits, they just don't even try. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy to me. All right, don't be that guy. Angela Gorgievska. I'm 21 years old. I consider myself ambitious, open-minded, but I am in a situation where I sometimes feel hopeless. I live with my family with not-so-positive views, and I am non-stop occupied with negative thoughts. Also, I live in a country where the opportunities are not so high. Moving out is almost impossible, and moving to another country is difficult. I spend days in my room reading, studying, and breaking down. If I try to speak with someone in my family, I always... I am always wrong or not heard. I also have zero friends. It's very difficult and sometimes leads to too much emotional pain and rage. I know the concept of positive thinking and hard work. I watch videos and read self-development books and only that keeps me alive. But I am in a situation where I'm in the matrix where all I hear is negative thoughts and closed doors. I barely speak and express myself to anyone. Any advice is welcomed. Wow, this is super powerful. Um, thank you for writing in. And I want to give you a real answer, not some bullshit. Okay. So I think that we have to build from the ground up. I would give very different advice to somebody in a different, um, emotional place, but I think we need to build up from scratch. So let's start with a really simple one. You are the average of the five ideas you spend the most time with. You thought I was going to say people, people matter too, but they only matter in two ways. One, 
they're going to have a massive impact on your neurochemistry. They're either going to be neutral, lift you up, or bring you down. You obviously want to find people that can impact your neurochemistry in a positive way. But the way that they're impacting you is with information, feedback. Um, and we can get that from other places. Now, I think that you have a skill set yet to develop if you have zero friends. And by the way, zero was in all caps, if I'm not mistaken. If you self-identify as having zero friends, that is a, a powerful thing to address in your life. And I don't care where you live. Even Tom Hanks on the deserted island made friends with the volleyball. So I think it is a human need to have friends. I don't think there's any way to meet that other than to connect with other human beings. And I think the sense of well-being that would give you would be extraordinary. Now, how do we find those friends? The easiest way is online because I think finding people that are like-minded is going to be big for you. So find people that think like you think, that are after the same things that you're after. You're going to start by meeting them online, and that can be very powerful. I would get to in real life, if at all possible. Number two, volunteer. Find an organization that you really believe in. And if possible, find an organization that's run by somebody that can meaningfully help you get where you want to go in life. So I'm sure, I guarantee, no matter what country you're in, there are other, and I don't know if it's entrepreneurial-minded um, people that you're looking for, but whatever it is that you want to do with your life, when you really look out into your future and imagine the world that you want to live in and the things you want to be doing on a day-to-day -day basis, there are people out there doing those things. And those people almost certainly have a charity and you can go and volunteer for that charity. And, and it may not be their own charity, but that they're involved with. That would be a way to get to know them. You can also um, intern at a company. If there's somebody doing something that you really think is extraordinary, work is a great place to meet people. You just have to choose wisely with the company. It's got to be a company that has a mission that you really believe in. It's got to be a company that has culture um, that is uplifting, that makes you feel good about yourself. Um, I think that that's really important. But if you do that, you start making friends, you start volunteering, you start doing things that provide you with a deep sense of meaning. You start hanging around with people that are uplifting you and making you feel better about yourself. The, the difference that would make in your life, I cannot tell you, it would be extraordinary. And these are very simple human connection bricks that we can begin laying. And as long as those are human connection bricks with people that have a positive, empowering mindset, I think that that would so radically shift your life, it would be crazy. Now, I don't want to BS and say that some countries um, aren't harder to create opportunity in. For sure, for sure they are. But I really believe that we have to build you up to get to the point where you're feeling good about yourself, you're feeling connected, you're uplifting other people, you're finding that deep sense of meaning and purpose. I think from there, you can have a lot of clarity. There's going to be a lot more um, things suddenly that appear as options to you. Because if I were meeting somebody that were farther along in that emotional journey, my answer would be, if the country you're in isn't working, then we have to move. And so the question is, like, how many nations have you applied for their visa lottery? I'm going to guess the answer is zero. And so you can see that if you're not taking the steps, you can't discount the option. But I think before you're going to be able to have that mindset and be aggressive and think crazy outside of the box, like, 
how many country or how many um, companies have you written to and tried to show how you could bring value to so that you could get them to sponsor you um, to go to their country? I mean, there there are a lot of ways, but we have to get your mind open to those possibilities, which mean that we have to feed your soul a bit and we've got to get you that connection. We've got to get you uplifted. And if you do that, then I think you're going to be able to crush it. All right. I hope that helps. Anonymous. I am a mechanical engineering student and I want to build better relationships with my professors. Most of my professors have worked at great companies like Boeing and I would like to learn how to approach them and build a good relationship with them in order for them to agree to write a letter of recommendation or hook me up with an internship. What steps can I take to approach them without seeming like a kiss ass? Um, Well, the first thing is people usually teach because they like helping students. They like that moment of awakening where somebody realizes that this thing that they're learning about has applications and is exciting. And oftentimes teachers have um, office hours. And so going to them during office hours with real, sincere, legitimate questions, because let me tell you, like they love the topic that they're teaching. And they certainly, even if they're getting bored and numbed out from students, if they meet a student who has a real sincere interest in that, understands them, knows a little bit about them and is interested in them and what they've learned and how what they've learned can be put to use. Like, man, that stuff is pretty thrilling. There's just something about having somebody who's really gung ho to learn. They're really excited about it. They're really willing to put in that work and they're sharing that same enthusiasm that you're sharing. It's intoxicating, man. And you'd be shocked how rare it is. It is really rare that someone is legitimately enthusiastic about that thing that you're super enthusiastic about. Like, hey, I'll float this out there. Anybody out there listening, the thing I've spent so much time now learning about, the comic book industry, the film industry, when people come up and and talk to me about that stuff because I'm trying to build the studio. Like, you have no idea how ham I'm going to go on that. If you're equally passionate about it, if you share an interest, oh my God, like I'm going to go nuts. Like everybody's looking for that. Everybody's looking to connect with somebody who's equally enthusiastic. So the long and the short of it is find out what their hours are. Learn about them. I will tell you from doing my interviews on impact theory, that is a very powerful way to make an impression on somebody. Know what they're about know what they're excited about. And if you share that same excitement, it's got to be real. You can't BS people. People can feel that coming a thousand miles away. But if you have a sincere interest in it as well, share that, ask really awesome questions that will actually help you if you get the answers. They will pour into you if they understand where you're coming from, what you want to do with that knowledge, and that they're the ones that can give it to you. Do you know how rad that makes people feel to feel like, whoa, this thing that I worked really hard for, this person wants that knowledge and they want to go do this thing with it? Yeah, you want to teach people. You want to give people that information. There are a few things that light people on fire, especially teachers, like being able to teach somebody who has a hungry mind. All right, there it is. With that, everybody, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of AMA. And if you have any questions, submit them to connect at impacttheory.com. That would be amazing. And by the way, if there are any comic book fans out there, follow at IT Comics. We're trying to build that empire. Our first comic book hits shelves March 27th, Neon Future. If you haven't already got your copy, get it. I've poured my heart and soul into this thing, and I want people to see it. If you hate it, I'm okay with that, but I at least want you to see it, but only if you're interested. All right, go check it out. All right, guys, thank you so much. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, and until next time, my friends, be legendary. Peace.